Hello folks, welcome to another Block 101 uh, with me David Lynham. So uh, how you doing? I'm still positive, still pushing on, hope you're doing the same. Um, so in this episode I am going to talk about more about the future of football. Uh, in last week's podcast I talked about the future football club um, and looking back at the, the stats for the week, it was pretty well received. It's uh, had a, almost double the amount of listens than I would normally have on a on a show in the first week. Um, so it seemed to resonate pretty well. I had a couple of people message me about some of the ideas. Um, and um, yeah, we've been implementing even a couple of those with, with some of our clubs. Um, and of course, just in the, the nature of what's been going on and, and the work that we do and obviously talking with with the clubs we work with um, there are loads more sort of considerations and uh, possibilities I suppose for for the future um, so I thought why not do a part two of uh, of the podcast um, around what the future might bring and you know I don't want this to turn into you know a, a bit of a mystic meg and me sitting here with a crystal ball predicting what's going to happen because I don't think anyone can really predict you know when or what the future might hold um given what we're going through um but you know equally I think sort of in the interests of uh you know the sports industry and and talking to to lots and lots of teams um by way of of the work that we do uh I also think it's it's helpful just to share what you know some of the conversations I'm having and, and what's generally being talked about um, just for the good of the industry more than anything else. So, you know, this is uh, almost a bit of an insight, I guess, into some of the conversations um, that we're having with with sports teams. Um, and I'm going to urge other people to do the same because it's always good, you know, to share, I feel. Um, so that's a little, you know, hint there for other ticketing companies that I know also listen to this podcast. So, uh, yeah, what are you, you guys going to do to share the love? Um, right, so I've got five things um, that I will add to the future of football list from last week. So if you're not listening to, to last week's show, uh, firstly, go back and check that one out. Um, uh, I've got another five things here that I think, you know, potentially uh, could shape the future uh, when we eventually do see the the gates opening again and um, and people back in in football venues, um, and the first one I don't normally talk an awful lot about sort of on pitch stuff um, or, or sort of player and squad related stuff because it's not really my place. I'm I'm not involved with 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 playing staff and squads, um, but this has really come about just from just the general observation uh, and the consistent message that I'm hearing. Um, from from you know people that I talk to at clubs and, and clubs in the media, um, just talking about generally like the finances. Um, once football resumes, uh, I think pretty much every club in the country is going to um, is going to have to really sort of cut back on uh, player wages to some extent. Um, whether that's how much players are being paid or the the number of players. Um, that you know is feasible to have in the squad, um, and with that, you know, keeping a sort of a positive uh, frame on this, you know, I think there comes opportunity as well. So, you know, potentially we might see s smaller squads, um, but looking on the, the positive side, maybe that means um, more of a pathway for youngsters. So we, perhaps we might start seeing uh, more younger, homegrown players 
um, with a, a clearer pathway from you know academies and youth teams through to, to first teams, um, which is a great thing. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of of you know getting uh, sort of local and homegrown talent and and turning them into first team players. I think that's great. Fans love it, obviously, as well. Um, I can definitely sort of relate to that journey a little bit from my younger years. And, you know, if there are more opportunities for, for younger homegrown players to come through. I think that's a good thing. Um, so, you know, potentially given the, the financial constraints that lots of clubs are going to find themselves under, um, I do think that there is uh, quite a strong possibility there um, for, you know, younger players, uh, youth team players to be given a fair crack at getting into the first team and, and holding down a place um, which is, you know, is fantastic uh, in terms of the opportunity that will be available to, to some of these youngsters. Um, so leading into to the next point, uh, I do think that we are going to see perhaps a return um, of more uh, bigger pre-season friendlies. So um, for a lot of non-league clubs in particular, uh, pre-season can be quite uh, an important part of the, the calendar um, because, you know, some clubs will have agreements with sort of their, their local football league or Premier League club um, and have a, a friendly arranged in that pre-season period. Um, what's happened in the last few years is that friendly has taken place, but... Um, perhaps the uh, the bigger club has maybe sent uh, a B team or a you know a team of of um, trialists and and reserves, and it's not had quite the same sort of uh, glamour that it maybe once had many years ago. Um, obviously, with what's going on, I think it's going to be highly questionable whether teams will travel for pre-season uh, and if they do travel how far they're going to be prepared to travel uh, until there's a, a bit more of a, a handle on the pandemic and and you know a bit a little bit more known about um you know the 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 longer term consequences of what's going on um and so you know that then again perhaps presents opportunity whereby you know the the, the bigger clubs will be sending more first team players uh which will in turn um, present more attractive pre-season games, which in turn, you know, will give you bigger gates um, and a, a, a nicer sort of um, kickstart to the season, let's say, for, for some of those um, smaller non-league clubs, perhaps, that are hosting. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one to see if that materialises. Um, but, you know, again, potential sort of upside and trying to keep a, a positive spin on, on you know, the, the end of this and, and what the future holds, we may well see um, you know, bigger pre-season friendlies and, and more lucrative games to kickstart the the non-league club seasons with. So that would be a, be a great thing. Um, I guess you know one of the conversations this week in particular with a few clubs now um, that you know starting their planning process. I guess for for whenever we may see football return is around like limited capacities. I think that's that's pr a pretty obvious one. But also what that means in terms of um, us as, as software providers for seating. So, uh, you know, how do we enforce social distancing rules in the purchase process? Uh, and that sounds, you know, a little bit out there, but uh, I think this has definitely got a place. Um, I remember not even that long ago, probably four or five months ago, um, standing in a presentation talking about and explaining how uh, our software is able to um, intelligently fill a section of seats so that we can minimise, 
you know, any single seats or, you know, minimise the risk of single seats being left so we can sort of nicely pack people in, uh, you know, to a, to a block of seats. The world has changed and, you know, it's done a, a complete U-turn now. So, you know, we're now having conversations about how we can enforce, you know, certain rules so that uh, you can enforce social distancing on seating plans. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, again, six months ago, if you'd have told me that this would have been the uh, the need in terms of what the technology needs to do, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, but it just goes to show, again, you know, how quickly things change. Um, we've been having quite extensive conversations about it, sort of at Kaizen uh, HQ or remotely. Um so uh, yeah, I think it's we're, we're probably going to get Kieran on the show uh, to talk about this one a bit. I, th- I know he's quite excited about this one. It's the sort of thing he loves. Um, so maybe we'll get a little a tech session on the go again. It's been a while since we've had one of those. Um, so we can get Kieran to talk through some of the thinking um, and, and how, you know, some of the ways we can solve this problem. Um, that leads us then into, you know, other sort of stadium operations um, and things like access control, um, you know, and, and scanning and some of the, the general stadium infrastructure and how, how the way that even works may have to change. Maybe, you know, again, from an access control point of view, there are opportunities there for, for the providers. Um, you know, if you take a lot of lower league clubs, uh, you have the traditional small tight turnstile. There's someone pushing a pedal to spin the turnstile to let you through. Um, obviously, very close proximity um, when that happens. You know, the, the turnstiles, they're not the widest. Um, and, you know, you're, you're sort of very close to the person who checks your ticket, scans your ticket, maybe rips the stub off if you're that way inclined, pushes the pedal. Um, that may all have to change, you know, and that's that's a massive one because in most cases, these turnstiles are built into the structures of a stadium. Um, so is there a way of being able to get people to access the stadium uh, whilst, you know, still enforcing whatever rules there may be around keeping your distance? Um, you know, added to that then you have scanning, you know, you have uh, scanning from distance. Uh, and, you know, again, these are all, I guess, in one sense, um, interesting technical problems to solve, but also difficult operational challenges that venues may have to start thinking about and, and finding solutions to. Um, so, again, you know, some of the conversations we've had both internally and externally have been around some of this and just thinking about some of these things now. Um, because, you know, it's almost a case of being prepared for for pretty much anything. So uh, so who knows? Um but again, you know, huge opportunity there um, to, to help clubs and to, to, you know, adapt to the changes in some of these uh, needs and requirements that they may have uh, and, and making sure that, you know, we're, we're providing as safe a stadium as possible when, when they do reopen. Um, right. So the, the final one for me um, is around, you know, again, entrance and, and perhaps, you know, enforcing timed entry. Uh, maybe we might need to start advising people, uh, you know, as to the time that they need to get into the stadium a little bit better and enforcing that a little bit more. A few different ways, I suppose, you could do that all up for up for grabs and, you know, getting people to stick to that. That's going to be the challenge, obviously. Um, I think people will be a little bit more um, uh, likely to listen to some of that guidance now. You know, I think the days of everyone you know piling in at two minutes to three on a Saturday afternoon 
um, you know, those days, I wouldn't say they're, they're done, but I think people will be a little bit more, um, just a bit more considerate um, and just thinking a little bit more about how they can enter the stadium uh, safely yet still quickly and, you know, sort of minimise the crowd, if you like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, thinking about timed entry, thinking about, you know, even just simple things that you take for granted uh, sort of in, in the old world, if you like, you know, queuing for food and food and beverage and, and bars and that kind of thing uh, and being able to enforce sort of social distancing measures, um, you know, in, in that kind of environment, you know, perhaps you're looking at pre-ordering of drinks maybe you know there are there are going to be other things that have to come into play whether that's with the use of tech or not just to help clubs to um help to sort of enforce these these measures um and and rules that come into place once uh you know the venues can reopen again who knows who knows there's there are so many ifs buts and, and maybes and um you know i don't want to turn this into a sort of a, a speculation podcast i think you know, like I said at the start, being positive with it, there are loads of opportunities there to to help, um, and also make sure that you know we can do what we can to to keep the venue safe. Uh, I think you know that has to to be the priority. Um, right. So yeah, there there are my thoughts for this week. Um, so five more ways of, that we might see, you know, spectator sports changing in the future. Um, you know, whether that's leveraging technology or, or just sort of good operational planning, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a blend of both to make this work. Um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, you found that useful, more food for thought, more to, to think about. Um, hope you're staying positive. Hope uh, things are still going to plan for you all. And, um, you know, keep in touch. You know, if there are, there are things to talk about and questions to answer, um, by all means, as I always say, let me know, get in touch, uh, drop me a message and um, we can address them on future podcasts. Cool. Um, so thanks for, for tuning in once again. Uh, always appreciated. And um, until next week, take it easy and I'll speak with you soon. See ya.